0: You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome to The Healthy Sensitive. I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show. And today what I want to talk about is, well, there's some things that are counterintuitive, really. There's three things. I want to talk about discipline. I want to talk about independence. And I want to talk about detachment. Now, these things might seem like they're not really related in any capacity. And I'll kind of talk about the metamorphosis of what led me to be intrigued by all three of these things and how I think they're related. First, a little bit of, uh, I guess some updates on my end. So in the membership site, so this is the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of a new decade. Uh, it's the beginning of hopefully a new journey for you. It's kind of invigorating when you embark on a new something. And so if you're interested in joining the membership site, you'll notice that I provided some tools, some questions to be pondering with regard to you know digesting the last year, 2019, and then also just posted today some questions to help you be like, give yourself a a compass for 2020. If you're curious about any of that, or if you just wanna explore some of that, you're also welcome to send me an email, Leah at thehealthysensitive.com. I always love conversations, particularly when those conversations are regarding growth and curiosity and sort of, yeah, I guess those are really the two. So always feel free to just send an email if something comes up for you that you're excited about. Uh, also, some more updates. I finally have gotten a really good grasp on the book that I'm writing, and I've almost got about 200 pages. So, who would have thunk that I'd have so much to write about? You know, highly sens- high sensitivity and sensory processing, or sens sensor. Oh, goodness gracious, uh, sensation seeking, uh, sensory uh, sensory processing sensitivity, introversion. So I'm gonna be of plugging in a whole bunch of things. Some, some of it personal, some of it academic, um, some of it sort of action oriented. Uh, so I'm really excited about that and I, I hope in terms of speaking of <laughs> new year projects, I am looking forward to getting that done hopefully at the very least by the end of the year. So just some updates. Anyway, moving moving back into the theme for today, I started with that, by the way, because for me, some of these projects I'm working on are absolutely related to discipline, independence and detachment. I'm trying to get some momentum going for myself. I So one of the things that I put in the membership site in terms of a question to pose for yourself is What is a word you would want to encapsulate, use to encapsulate all of 2020? What word, if you could choose one, would you want to be your compass? And evidently, as I understand it, this is a really common ritual that's practiced in Japan. I'm pretty sure it's practiced all over the world at this point. I don't know who who should be credited for crafting the idea. But at any rate, it's old. I didn't come up with it. And I loved it once I heard about it, this idea of, oh, choosing a word, me being such a lover of language. <laughs> and the word that I chose for myself to be the kind of compass for 2020 was independence. And I want to be clear about what I mean by independence. I think a lot of people, when they use it, are using it to describe a lack of reliance on other people, which to some extent is true. I One element of independence I really want to... to to build on is having a a kind of financial independence. I mean, I have that right now, but I'm really hoping I'm in a sort of precarious financial position where my inputs and my outputs. So the income that's coming in and the amount of money I'm spending for my baseline level of needs are more or less equal. And I'm, I'm trying to get creative. Well, how is it that I want to expand on that? Do I want to get another job? So, you know, trade some of my time for more income. Do I want to uh, embark on more entrepreneurial pursuits? Uh, do I, what do I mean? What do I want? So that's the financial element of independence that I'm really hoping to cultivate. I, I want a sense of really feeling solvent and not needing a roommate, not meeting, uh, which to be fair, getting a roommate would be one example of adding income. But for me, I've discovered that I just so love living alone. Um, and I, at the very least want to know that I could, and right now it's sort of, it's a little tight. And so I want to know that I'm in a position where I can, with relative ease, live alone, do the things I love to do, which does include going to workout classes, um, eating really healthy food and spending money on, if I'm going to spend it on something that's frivolous, if you want to call it that, I want to spend it on, you know, courses or, uh, you know, I talked a lot about going to Boston, and part of the reason I talked so much about it was because it was invigorating I had to go spend some time with these incredibly learned people. And just, you know, all I had to do was sit there, take notes if I wanted to, and just, it was like they just showered me with knowledge and information, which is totally my cup of tea. So these are the kinds of things I want to have the capacity to do more of. And I've really minimalized to the extent possible, and I'm sort of in a place where it's like, you know, I want to be able to have more flexibility and be able to do those things. So financial independence is one element of what I'm striving for to feel like I can stand on my own two feet and don't need another human being in proximity in my living space in order to make that happen and function. If one comes, that's fine, but I don't want to rely on it. In other words, I also, when I think about independence, think about it as it relates to Krishnamacharya's yoga therapy. And I know I've mentioned this in passing. When I was Struggle. I mean, I struggled for years with anxiety and insomnia, which the two of them together culminated into a pretty ferocious depression that I was, I don't want to say I fought it because that makes it sound like, you know, oh, there was this battle that ensued, but there was a tension. I wanted to the, the greatest extent possible to uh, have some choice about how I experienced my life, and it felt as though I didn't have any. I didn't even have influence, and so that's what led me to, you know, first going to doctors' offices and saying, "Hey, what's wrong with me?" And then going into, you know, going to I went, did acupuncture. I drank the herb teas. I went <laughs> Ayurveda. I mean, you name it, I I I tried it and eventually landed in the realm of uh, yoga therapy. And the primary reason that I had so much success with it was the practitioner that I came into contact with. And this was a man who has extraordinary presence and you can tell has done the work. And having exposure to someone like that is a kind of healing in its own right. So through my studies, I was able to really work on three things. I I was able to work on developing a practice that, helped me manage the symptoms of, say, anxiety and insomnia. And in managing those symptoms, it did kind of help reduce the frequency of them. And the most important thing that I was able to accomplish was ultimately to change over time, my relationship to those experiences. And I imagine if you out there, if you know someone who's a highly sensitive person, or if you yourself are one, you probably already know that we have a tendency towards some of those darker emotions, which obviously would include depression, mostly because it's depressing to be overstimulated and overwhelmed and to kind of feel like the world is closing in on you. That that doesn't feel good and it doesn't have to be that way. That's that's the good news. We, We don't have to, you know, turn down every opportunity that our country or our community or whatever is giving us in order to achieve that sense of balance but it does require an amount of effort so at any rate when i mentioned about the yoga therapy pieces is independence is a theme that sort of threads throughout the yoga sutras and when they're talking about independence they're not talking about it like you know are you independent like you don't need other people It's not just independence as in financial. It's independence as in clarity of thought. If so, when I'm in the throngs of a deep depression, I personally, I mean, I can't speak for you if you've ever had this experience on your for yourself, but for me, I don't feel like I have much independence at all. I feel really at almost victimized in some cases by the onslaught of negativity that can just seem to burble up from within me. It doesn't have to be that way. There are techniques there. there, It's relatively simple, not easy, but simple to do a mind shift around it and and develop a kind of comfort with even negative experiences over time. But that requires independence. So when a yoga therapist is talking about developing independence or Krishnamacharya was saying the word independence, he wasn't saying, you know, I am so-and-so hear me roar. He was, it was much softer. It's, you know, my ability to navigate the world is coming from a place of clarity. I'm not getting pushed and pulled and tugged by my baggage. I, more and more of my actions are coming from a space of discernment. I'm able to sort of discern what the environment around me is calling for and to the best of my ability operate in given the information I'm taking in. And that kind of leads me to you know the information that I'm taking in isn't clouded by my emotional swings so to give you maybe a more clear example for me when I've slept really poorly my capacity is diminished and that in in all areas of my life so I'm more likely to eat foods that probably aren't ideal for me because I don't have discernment I'm not I'm not thinking in terms of what would really help me right now I'm thinking in terms of like, like a petulant child I want blah blah and it because it tastes good and it feels good. And that's not something that we need to to bash or to, to <laughs> you know, we don't want to shame ourselves around that. But I just find it really interesting and rather curious that when my energy is low, I'm drawn to foods that ultimately give me less energy and exacerbate the problem. I'm also more likely to take things personally. I'm more likely to uh, feel feel lonely. I know I've mentioned that when I talked about loneliness and how intriguing it is to me that when we don't sleep well, it increases and exacerbates our experience of loneliness. And it also makes us grumpy people. So no one wants to hang out with us. And so therefore there we go with the spiral. So all of that's happening because I didn't sleep well. (laughs) And that's clouding my ability to take in information. If I had slept well, someone who says a joke at my expense, I might take that information in and either be unaffected or maybe even view it positively. I might laugh, but when I haven't slept well, my capacity is lower. So I'm much more likely to view the world around me with a very different lens. Now, so for a yoga, when looking through the yoga sutras, that's what is meant by independence, having clarity, having discernment. And also for me, at least when I think of independence, I'm also kind of moving in the direction of wanting to get really, really comfortable navigating the world without a romantic partner. So to get you know, a bit of self-disclosure here, I fell in love at 16 and pretty much stayed in love until, well, 32-ish. <laughs> um, I mean, not with the same man, but not that many men either. So my first relationship was seven years long. The second relationship was six years long. And the third one was two years. And I think, the longest duration of time I had between partners was probably a year, which isn't nothing, but I mean, when you're talking about ratios, so uh, in the most recent relationship that I, I guess you'd say untangled myself from, eh. we untangled ourselves from each other. I thought, well, I really want to get comfortable, not just, yeah, I know that this is the right choice or blah, 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 but really comfortable not having a partner. Which is not to say I'm going to actively push away any male that comes within like in proximity to me, or I'm going to actively refuse any kind of positive connection I might have, but to not seek it. Which may which means, you know, no longer engaging in things like dating apps, no longer going out there and, and scanning a social environment for a potential mate. Maybe I'm the only one who does this, but at least for me, I totally do that, especially when I'm single. I go out there and it's like, ooh, who's a prospective person that could be my person? And that's wild because it's a kind of commodification of other human beings. So at any rate, that's another form of independence I'm trying to cultivate for myself. So... I'm trying to pull all of this together elegantly. I do hope that the dots are connecting in a way that's forming an image that doesn't look like chaos. (laughs) So yesterday, oh, and then the final form of independence, feeling like I can go out there into the world and advert, not advertise exactly, but market myself as myself. Uh, In particular, I mean this in the work realm. So I want to be able to go out to a networking event and say, hi, I'm Leah. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I, I have my own private practice. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I want to put out there. This is the content I'm building and get and not just be like, yeah, yeah, you know, huh, if you want to, but really just, yeah, I'm inviting you into this thing because it's neat and I would love for you to come. That's what I want to be able to project out into the world, not feeling like I need to be enthusiastic about someone else's enterprise or someone else's project, which isn't to say that I'm not allowed to be excited about someone else's project, but I'm really hoping to cultivate that skill within myself to feel like it's okay for me to self promote. Not sleazily, but authentically. It's okay for me to say, Hey, I would love to hang out with you. Do you want to hang out with me? Do you want to sit down and have a chat? Uh, You know, I would love to have a coaching relationship with you. Are you interested? If you're not, that's okay. Which, by the way, is kind of where the detachment piece of this whole thing comes in. So that's what I mean. All of that is when I'm talking about independence. Those are examples of the different arenas where I'm trying to cultivate this sense of independence. So with that having been said, I also want some amount of independence from the traits that I know I personally have because I talk a lot this is called the healthy sensitive I talk about being a highly sensitive person but even to say I'm a highly sensitive person is a kind of dependence I'm giving away some of my personal responsibility and giving an I could use it as a kind of excuse and I've seen this with other highly sensitive people and maybe it irks me so much because I have a hard time giving myself self-compassion, perhaps, and so that gets projected onto others. Who really knows? But I've seen other highly sensitive people uh, balk at things that make them uncomfortable. And it's one thing to say, you know, I'm not interested in doing this because it makes me uncomfortable and I don't see it as serving me because that to me just says that they are choosing to move away from unnecessary suffering. But I'm talking about people who, to their own detriment, keep themselves cloistered in, I hate saying it, it's like a, they keep themselves caged in to their own detriment. So it's like, imagine a bird who chooses to stay in its cage, even when the door is wide open, they're not even interested in potentially going out there to fly, which is a problem because it is in fact a bird and birds are designed to take flight. And so that's what I mean. I'm not talking about someone who really feels comfortable in their own skin and knows their nature and says, I, I'm i very comfortable saying what I like and don't like. I'm talking about those people where you can see they, they're they hungry for a change in their lives, but they choose not to take responsibility for their own joy and their own happiness because they would prefer to simply say, well, I'm sensitive, so I can't. And I don't want to be that person. There's nothing wrong. If another person wants to do that, that's none of my business. But I don't want to be that person. I I went, I did this weird pendulum shifting thing where for years I completely ignored how I was built so that I could go out there in the world and just be a doer, an achiever, a go-getter. And so I, I didn't just go get a major in college. I double majored in college. Not only did I go to grad school, I did grad school and worked two jobs. So, I mean, like absurd things. And that is part of what fueled the insomnia, the anxiety. I was just overstimulating my system. And then I had to deal with the repercussions of that. So I went from that extreme of I'm not going to give myself any slack because I know I can push myself to the limit. And so therefore I am going to. I'm going to push myself far beyond what I think my capacity is let's just see what I'm capable of which was useful I got a lot of feedback and I mean that internally Um, my body didn't like it (laughs) neither did my brain come to think of it but so then I swung to the other end I started doing a lot more self-care I swung to the other side of the spectrum and said okay I'm gonna start saying no to all kinds of things Saying no to networking, saying no to things that make me uncomfortable, saying no, 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 and just pushing back hard to anything that went against my nature, my temperament, because for me it was kind of about survival. I don't want to go out there and do those things because I don't think I can. And the reason I'm going to give for not being able to is well, I'm a highly sensitive introvert. I don't want to do that. And that worked to a certain extent. Like that did help reduce the intensity. And maybe it was a necessary thing to do. Maybe I did need to swing that far back to the other side to sort of recapture lost energy. Who knows? But more recently, I've you know, especially if I'm the, gonna be the kind of person who's making a decision to sort of not go out there and seek a partner. i I don't feel the maternal pulling to have children, which isn't to say that I absolutely won't, but I kind of feel like if there's a, you know, parenting is in my mind, a really sacred act. It requires ferocious self sacrifice. And so the kind of person I think should take that job is the kind of person who really wants it and feels pulled toward it. So I sort of think, well, unless I feel that pull, I'm not doing it um, because I know the kind of parent I would want to be if I had a child and therefore I don't want to just do it because other people are. So now here I am, I'm making this conscious choice to sort of say I'm going to be my own person, no partner, no children, you know, or maybe a better way of saying it is it not assuming or going after those things in any capacity, just working on the project of whatever this thing is like. Working on the project of personals like self inquiry, development, consciousness. How do I shed the skin and the expectations of a whole culture and really just hone in my independence? So if I'm going to try and build a life like that, I, I don't, I, all the research I've done as a health coach, as a health professional, like I work in health and wellness, I got a you know fancy schmancy master's degree. Um, you don't cultivate independence without also having a community we are social creatures so it's like okay well if I'm if there's no one at home that I can rely on for my social needs for my my desire for connection and for love I'm gonna have to build a community that means going out and trying new things meeting new people as a highly sensitive person I gotta tell you that's a little uncomfortable (laughs) because I have to go into new spaces which is stimulating. I have to meet new people, which that requires an, an amount of building of fluff and, and hey, how's the weather? What do you, which is draining. It's fine, but that's not the kind of conversation that's going to excite me. And it also requires that I spend time, which I could otherwise be spending, on the couch, in a blanket, looking at a fire or walking alone with a podcast in my earbuds so all kind it's not just that I'm doing something uncomfortable there's the opportunity cost of other things I could otherwise be doing so here I am and I'm like okay I don't want to just be like I want to be independent even from my own assumptions about my limitations in an effort to do that I've tried going to meetups and I'm we, like I'm constantly flabbergasted by how much pleasure I'm getting from doing these things. So I went to a Spanish meetup. Uh, I went to a, I'm going to book clubs. So, it, you know, hey, fellow HSP introverts, FYI, uh, if you're trying to meet new people, intentional meetings like this turn out to be a great way to do it because it's organized. You know what the topic is going to be about. You know when the time is going to end i am got to tell you, it's the sweet spot of <laughs> like socializing anyway. And, and I really, there were even occasions when my, my energy was incredibly low, really low. And I was sad. I mean, I was crying and I wouldn't be able to tell you what I was crying about, but I thought, you know, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to get up. I'm going to shower. I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to blow the stink off. I'm going to go to this, this meetup and, you know, just don't be that person who flakes anymore. Don't be that person who says, but I can't, it's hard. So I did it, did the thing, and then left feeling rejuvenated, feeling inspired, feeling excited, which was absolutely, like, I I can't, I don't know, I don't know if I have words for the level of shock that it, it induced from me, because that totally went against all of my assumptions about the way I operate. And I think the assumptions I had were grounded in a measure of facts or factual like in terms of data because in the past I was doing so much you know I I constantly took on more than I probably should have been chewing and then it makes sense that to then try and go out and socialize on top of all of that was just too much but I'm now in a place where it's a pretty quiet life I don't feel overworked I don't feel overwhelmed there isn't a whole bunch of there aren't people in my living space, so I'm, every time I come home, I'm able to recharge almost immediately. And so what, now my experience going out and socializing is vastly different, which blow in my mind. So it's another kind of independence. So after doing all of those meetup groups, I thought, well, this is great, but you know what I would love? I love to just chat. I like to talk about really deep and meaningful things and let's see if there are meetups like that and there was one in particular that was an hsp circle and it was really lovely and very well organized and also an hour and a half away (laughs) so uh did that and i thought well what if i just made one closer to home then i wouldn't have to commute so i made a meetup group and it's called curiosoverts and i purposefully tried to make it so that it wasn't solely for highly sensitive people it was for introverts and for hsps because i I'm not necessarily in, I don't, I don't think I'm in the business of just supporting other HSPs. I'm in the business of supporting as well as encouraging. I'm, I I want to, I don't just want HSPs to feel like, okay, I can accept myself. I want them to be excited about themselves and I want to provide a space where they can get challenged, where their ideas can be challenged, but in, in thoughtful, in thoughtful ways that don't feel like they're getting um, attacked, you know, so it's like that's what I'm aiming for. We'll see what happens. So I make this meetup group and in comes the people. And it's it's oh, I mean, I'm so clumsy at doing this because it's the timing. I thought the time slot that we had for the room that I had rent, not rented or, or, you know, made a bid for uh, they got the wrong time. And so we're sort of floundering around. And it was anyway, it's all chaos at one point. But eventually we got a room, we're all seated and we're chatting and then it's really clear that, okay, I can't just come in and invite these people in and say, ha, talk about what you want. I've got to have a topic and all the things. So super vulnerable spot for me to be in. I'm not only trying to create a space for a hodgepodge, introverts, highly sensitive people, and maybe just people who are curious and want to have deep discussions, I want there to be more dynamism with with these with these folks. So anyway, that's, I don't know if that'll work. But one of the people in this group, that I start that you can just tell when you have an, an affinity toward a person. And this gentleman was, you know, like, something about him. It's like, Yeah, I like you, you're, you're totally my kind of people. So when the whole thing closed for the day. And and he said, well, would you want to grab a bite to eat? I said, sure. So we're sitting down and two or three hours go by and we've talked about everything under the sun that you, I mean, just absurd quantities of content. And it was great. And at a certain point when we're talking about solitude, he said, yeah, you know, I find more and more when I'm trying to make a connection with someone, whether it's any kind of connection, like I want to meet a new friend, um, I'm making a bid for a partner, I mean, whatever. I want to know if they have the discipline to be alone. And for some reason that hooked me because I don't think it really occurred to me before that independence could be a discipline. You think about freedom and you think about independence and you think about the, the, the not needing the discipline. And it keyed me into a completely different headspace around being alone and having solitude. It was sort of like, wow, very interesting. And it reminded me of, uh, this is uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, f- I don't know how, I, I don't want to say he frequently quotes this person, but on more than one occasion, he's quoted uh, Jocko Willink, who's, who's noted to have said the phrase, discipline is freedom. And again, it seems like a juxtaposition. It seems like they, are, they, they don't mesh but really what he's trying to say is if you don't have discipline you'll be at the mercy of your environment. As in he gives a really simple example. You you sleep in today because you don't have to get up early. But then because you slept in you didn't get the thing you needed to finish done. And by not getting that thing done, well now you have to wake up early the following morning because otherwise it won't get done and you have to get it done. So Whereas before you could have gotten up because you had self-discipline and you wanted to, now you have to. And so you become a kind of slave to the circumstances of your environment versus when you have an amount of discipline. That's a kind of freedom. And the way he described it to me reminded me on many levels of the way yoga therapists describe it, which is wild because if you know anything about Jocko Willink, he's not a yogi by any stretch of the imagination he's a navy seal so i think he's a little bit more rugged and tough and hard than um might be my preference but hey all the better like i love cuz that's he's going to comment at this at a, from a completely different angle but part of like in the yoga sutras i'm going to pull this up as i'm talking about it um they they talk about what is what does it mean to be in a state of yoga and one of the things they say in the Yoga Sutras is to be in a state of yoga is to be able to concentrate on a singular thing for a period of time without distractions. And so basically it comes back to that sense of independence. If you, to be in a state of yoga is to to be in a state of pure independence because you're able to direct your own attention or at least have some influence on where your attention is get, headed. So it links very closely with Jocko Willink when he's like, if you have discipline, you have freedom. Yogis also say that if you wanna have independence, if you wanna reach that state of yoga, you've gotta be willing to do the work, watch yourself, as in observe what's going on, and then let go of the outcome. It's, and when you're talking about doing the work, it's doing an appropriate amount of work for a, an extended period of time with the right mindset. So it's not, oh fine, I'll do this. So, you know, the child that's getting boo-booed at, you know, by their mothers to go into the dole, like you have to go to school, damn it. That's not exactly the right mindset. It kind of harkens back to what Jocko Willink was saying. You know, if you have some, a task that you need to complete, if you're doing it because now you have to, that's not exactly the right mindset. That's not coming from a place of independence or one could say discipline. And then the weird thing about discipline, like I, I'm a huge fan of looking at like the, oh, what do I want to say? Like the etymology of a word. So looking at the history of where it came from. I mean, you look at the word discipline and the kind, it stems from another word that means study. So obviously that version of discipline is like the what discipline did you study in? Like the discipline of science, if you will. And then it also comes from, yeah, being willing to punish yourself. So, like, from a church going, it's like you're, like, when people are whipping themselves to be able to scourge, like, it's another word that's linked with scourging. Like, oh, I'm gonna whip and whip and I'm gonna free myself of the sin, which I, I'm, it's not exactly an image that. little hsp like me really likes Um, quite frankly even my go-getter extroverted non-hsp people might be like "Mm, not really interested in that so but why then would i be drawn to this concept of discipline and why then when this man that i was sitting across the table from when he said the discipline to be alone because lately I've been feeling a tremendous amount of ambivalence about um, the concept of relationships it's it's eked into a lot of my conversations with other people This sense of well I every time I seem to go out and engage in anything resembling a date it's sort of disillusioning and I think oh god why did I do this and then when I on the flip side spend the evening alone I find that oh man this is great I feel so good this is awesome why am I ignoring that information and still going out there? You know, like these are the kinds of conversations that are coming up. And nevertheless, there's ambivalence because I'm still a woman and I'm in my 30s. And I still have the, a very human primal pull toward getting certain needs met and and connecting. And as soon as this man said the discipline to be alone, my relationship to that whole dynamic shifted in, in an instant. It's like, oh, And all of a sudden I was thinking about, you know, mornings spent running for miles and miles, you know, working out is an uncomfortable thing to do. It's physically uncomfortable. And yet there's this tremendous high that I I get from it when I do it. And there's, of course, biophysical reasons for that. That's a whole nother matter. But it nevertheless is physically uncomfortable. I'm sore the following day. And yet I do it. And even when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, when I haven't slept, with very few exceptions, I get up and I still move my body. It's the one thing I can rely on for the most part. It's like, I might not have the energy and wherewithal to think of complex solutions to problems, but dang it, I can put one foot in front of the other and go on a walk. And so it's become a kind of discipline and it does feel sort of like freedom, Because I'm not relying on that mythical, magical moment when all of the stars will align and it will be easy for me to do a workout. I just do it. Having that discipline also gives me a lot of flexibility. You know, when people say, oh, you're either on plan or off plan. There are plenty of times in my life when I, you know, like I, 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 it's easier for me to choose better over perfect. I'm really good at like, if I didn't bring my lunch to work, Well, I can makeshift a quick thing. Like I can go to the cafeteria and very quickly choose a healthy option because this is a discipline I've crafted for myself for many, many years. Well, I mean, I'm only 33. I mean, many, many years, at least a decade, which I think is significant relative to my time on earth. God, no, I've been doing this even longer. Whoa. Let's say 16 years. Wow. Huh. Anyway. So, and yeah, so it does feel very liberating to have discipline. And again, when the yogis talk about that sense of real true independence and they say, well, you have to be able to do the work, watch yourself and to the best of your ability, let go of the outcome. That's part of why I don't want to go there just yet, but I just think it's fascinating to me that they the yogis didn't use the word discipline. But when they talk about doing the work, they at some point get to the place where they say, well, if you're doing this work, it starts to build on itself. So you do the work and all of a sudden you get more clarity. The work for a yogi is yoga practice and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing downward facing dog. Like That's not the tradition that I'm referring to. It's more like breathing exercises along with movement and they're very intentional movements. And they can include any number of movements but the practice is about linking with something that gives you allows for more expansion within yourself. And once you start doing that thing, it becomes easier to have discernment. I'm sure you've heard before when people meditate, how it's like, oh God, this feels great. Like I, I, it's there's a clarity. It's like you're moving. It's like you're in an airplane and you've gone above the clouds. You can see the sky. That's where I'm talking about when I say clarity. So you do this work, and now you have more clarity, and that builds on itself because now when you have more clarity you make better decisions and those better decisions better position you to keep doing the work. And so it keeps going. Um, Maybe a really good example, or or I mentioned earlier about sleep. If I get good sleep, well, then I'll have more energy in the morning. That energy I can then much more easily fuel into making better food choices and then also exercising because I've got the energy. Well, when I eat better and when I exercise, my neurotransmitter excuse me, my neurotransmitters are more in balance. I'm producing more GABA. I'm producing better rates of serotonin. Like my body is in balance and that makes it easier to get to sleep the following day. So the thing about all this is though, where do you start? Because presumably if you're in a funk, the problem is that it's spiraled in the other direction. You haven't gotten any sleep and that means you don't have any energy. With the lack of energy, you get Coffee drinks with abundanza sugar because you're desperate for at least a measure of energy, which then ultimately gives you less energy. So then you don't exercise, and the lack of exercise means you won't get sleep, and you, you see where I'm going with this. So what the yogi? It's like, well, how do you get started? Yogi know, say, honestly, you just gotta start. You just start, and it's like, huh? You gotta take it on faith that this stuff will work. And the same thing is true with exercise or with eating better, especially with exercise and eating better, because you feel a lot crappier before you feel any better. (laughs) Like you hurt a lot when you haven't been moving your body and then you start an exercise routine. And often when you start eating better, your body goes through a kind of detoxification of all the junk you were eating before. And you feel like shit. I mean, pardon my French, but dude, (laughs) like, why am I doing this again? And you just have to take it on faith that's it. You just got to keep doing it. And then it starts spiraling back up in a positive direction. So we've covered independence. That's the goal. The goal is independence, having that freedom, that clarity. Discipline, it turns out, is a means of getting there. It's the doing of the work. If you do the work, it will feed into independence. Because if you have that discipline, it means you were the one who... I hate saying in charge. Maybe it's okay to say in charge and not in in control. It's like, I can't, if I'm the captain of the ship, I can't control where the icebergs are going to be placed in the ocean. I have absolutely no control about the weather patterns or whether storms are going to hit, but I'm still the captain of this ship and I have some measure of influence over where the ship can turn and how fast I can push the ship to go. Not control, but I am in charge. I have influence. And I only gather that it's almost like the more uh, work I've done on myself, the more influence I have on the trajectory of my life. That's all well and good. That leads me to detachment because that is the other piece. So many people mistakenly embark on developing a kind of discipline, hoping for a really specific outcome. Now, in my case, when I talk about independence and freedom, I'm not necessarily... I guess that's a kind of outcome, but it's more, again, I'm using it as a compass, like a North Star. I'm never going to reach the North Star. That's not how that works. But it'll give me a general direction to move toward. The detachment piece is the... It's when you say to yourself, I'm willing to get up at 5.30 in the morning every morning and go on a run. And I have no idea whether that's going to have any impact on my weight or on my energy or on whether or not I sleep tonight. I'm just going to do it and let go. It means it's sort of like when I talked about developing the meetup group. For me to do that, I have to go in to this meetup, put myself out there. And I have no control over the outcome. I mean, I have influence, but and I have to let go of whatever it is. I do that every single time that I, I record a podcast. I'm putting this out there. I've got a discipline. Every single week, I make sure that I post. Uh, and I, I feel like the more tr- like momentum I've picked up, the more excitement I get around the projects I'm doing, because the more practiced you become at something, the more creative you can get. So it does feel like freedom, but at the end of the day, I have to let go of the outcome. I cannot post podcasts thinking my goal is to get X number of people to listen to me. I can have that goal, that's fine. But if I'm relying on that to provide the motivation for me to keep doing the thing, it won't work. Outcomes don't work as well as just... the the When... When the work itself becomes the reward you're, you seek, that's when you're in the sweet spot. But it feels so counterintuitive because, well, why track your progress with the thing you're doing at all? So a more tangible example, I'm, I'm using really vague language. Let's say that I want to lose weight. That's, that's a goal. And that's a really tough thing. to. Well, it's not so tough to lose weight, but it's really, really tough to lose it and keep it off. And I decide to eat well and to exercise. And I decide I'm going to try and get to to sleep better. I'm going to drink more water. I'm doing all of this stuff. At the end of the day, I can't actually control what happens to that scale. I can control my behaviors. Sort of. I've got more direct influence over that. I can't make the scale move. And I might do all of those things and the scale might not budge. I have to be willing to let go of that outcome. The people who are successful at really... Enriching, developing robust health, and honestly, the people who are successful on some level with weight management have not. Their whole identity isn't wrapped up in that outcome at all. they're I mean, it's data. It's useful data. It's like, yeah, no, of course I get on the scale once a week or once a day or once a month, whatever. I don't care. But I do the exercise irrespective of what happens to that weight. I eat well, irrespective of what's going on with my weight. I'm doing those things because I'm. That's the discipline. I'm disciplining myself because I've discovered that doing those things leads to a a better version of myself. And it would be really nice if also the weight comes down. Same with a business. You'll hear this from people like Gary Vaynerchuk all the time. People like, I want to build a business. I want to make a million dollars. I want to make a million dollars. And of course, Gary Vaynerchuk is sort of sitting back going, yeah, um, so that's not how to business. That's not a useful metric to be. I mean, it has to be, the work has to be so gratifying that if nothing comes of it, you'd still think it was a worthwhile expense of your time. That's how this has to be. And so I feel like these three things are tightly related to one another, at least as it pertains to personal growth. And they're also really challenging because, especially for highly sensitive people, when I use words like discipline, because Again, it conjures up a lot of really negative images. Anyway, whew, I think I, I'm finally taking a breath and slowing down here. I'm bringing this up to you folks out there because, you know, again, I, I, by trade, I am a coach. Uh, I'm an educator. And also, I'm just a really curious person. I'm I, one of the things I really value. So my tippity top of the mountain values include health. My personal health. I don't, I don't insist that you need to be healthy. I just value health for myself because I'm a better human being when I feel good. I value um, purposeful work. You know, I, I like to work for its own sake. I'm one of those weirdos. And in particular, I value personal growth. I wanna be growing and expanding and it's just, it's one of my tippity-top values so for me, anything that I do, even if I fail miserably at it, it's like, yeah, but I'm going to learn a lot of really juicy things. That brings me, by the way, back to Brene Brown. So, you know, I use the word discipline and I use, I, you know, I, I cite Brene Brown all the time because she's fabulous. She at some point talked about, you know, she she, she quotes Teddy Roosevelt and Daring Greatly. You know, it's, it's not the critic who counts. It's the person who's willing to get there and, and go into the arena and get bloodied and marred and at best we'll come out triumphant and at worst, well yeah, maybe we'll lose, but we'll lose having dared greatly. And there's a sense of triumph that comes with that in its own right. So Brene Brown, I of course, Googled, I'm like, has she ever used the word discipline? Turns out she used it and she court she used it in the context of self-love. She's quoted as having said, you know, self-love is, I mean, I'm not quoting her perhaps as much as the bad news. Self-love is subversive in our culture. This process has to be a disciplined daily practice. I'm going to say that again. The bad news, self-love is subversive in our culture. This process has to be a disciplined daily practice. So, I mean, Brene Brown's a Texan woman, so she often reports, you know, from a personal, from her space, from her own self, she'll say, I didn't like any of this woo-woo stuff. I just went in thinking, hey, what do people who are really uh, effective in the world all doing? And then discovered that they're being vulnerable. They're the ones going out and saying, I love you first. They're the ones who are uh, nimble and, and willing to be imperfect and be messy. she, of course, just went, no. <laughs> uh, but having said that, if you're going to be the representative of vulnerability, which she is at this point, it's kind of fascinating to me that the word discipline would eke its way in there. Self-love has to be a disciplined daily practice. So discipline then isn't just about Freedom, it doesn't only give freedom, it can give you self love if you are willing to engage in this thing, irrespective of the outcome. It's like you you have to keep going in there and saying, I don't know what's going to come of this. I don't know what's going to come with this practice that I've decided to embark on, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's an act of real courage, right? I mean, you have to. That is real independence, the willingness to do something and not even be depending on an outcome. You're willing to go out there and do something irrespective of what happens as a result of it. So in closing for today's episode, here are a couple of thoughts I want you to chew on, if you will. What is something in your life that you think is worth doing? And this is also coming from Brene Brown, I believe, too, because she uh, she heard the line. This is a really popular coaching line. What's something you would do if you knew you couldn't fail? So like, if there, what's something that you would want to embark on? Like, for me, I want to make this... I I want to go out there and I want to help highly sensitive people and introverts evolve into their best selves. And I want them to do it in a way that looks uniquely like them. That means asking people who might be uncomfortable with discomfort and be uncomfortable putting themselves out there to do it. It means asking people... And I know personally, as a highly sensitive person, what I'm asking when I say I'm asking for you to go out there and do something that's hard and that might even cause you a little bit of pain and to do it because it's honest, to do it because it's with your integrity, to do it because to be brave does require an amount of risk. You You can't be brave and comfortable at the same time. That's not how that works. So I'm asking an awful lot of people. And my hope when I when I say this is what I want to ask of you, I want to say to these folks, I'm willing to walk with you every step of the way, whether that means giving you information, whether that means providing courses, whether it means providing coaching or if it just means being a voice as a representative of, you know, you uh, us HSPs who are weirdos and, you know, we're creative and we're funky and we're strange, but we've got a lot to offer. That's my mission. I want to go out there and help other people. I want to provide the space for people that are otherwise not given a voice to step in their own greatness, whatever aid that looks like, whatever it looks like for them. That's a big mission, right? So if that's for me, that's what I would do if I knew I couldn't fail. But Brene Brown takes it a step further and says, no, no, that's kind of a stupid question because most of us will fail and if you've done something that's truly worth doing it's probably hard and so maybe don't make success the thing that your willingness to do the thing is contingent on so she asks instead what's worth doing even if you do fail and that gets back to the whole idea of bravery right what's worth doing even if you fail so i'm going to ask that question to you my brave brave hsps introverts and fellow creative weirdos like What is something that you think would be worth doing even if you fell flat on your face and you felt humiliated and bruised and absolutely burdened by the weight of the world at the end of all of it? What is something that is so worthwhile to you that you think, you know what, even if I lose, that was an arena worth stepping into. At least I got in. I put myself out there and I learned the things that I needed to learn for the next phase of my life. It was worth it. Totally worth it. And then when you have a vision of what it is you want to go do, I'm going to ask something that is... I'm going to ask you to do some serious intellectual gymnastics. Have that vision for yourself and then say to yourself, okay, there that is. There's my compass. There's my North Star. How do you turn that into a discipline? What is something that you can do right now? Like imagine okay maybe this is another way of putting it if you were already there so i've waved the magic wand and you're successful what are the things that you're doing in that space every day so in my case i would be coaching people i would be writing books i would be doing i would be not just the one going to conferences i would be the person speaking at said conferences with all of my big ideas and my woo look at me go like that would be me in that instance right okay so what is something, if that's the vision of myself and those are the things I'm doing there, what within all of that can I pull out and do right now? And that's why and there is your discipline. So in my case, it's reaching out to you know the clients that I currently work with. I stay connected with them. I stay connected with them every day. It means I, every week, am putting out a podcast. And some of my podcasts... I mean, if y'all have been listening, you know, some of them have been kind of shitty and that's okay (laughs) because I still, it's a, it's a discipline. I'm going to do this and I'm, you know, barring bubonic plague every Monday or, you know, plus or minus a few hours, I'm going to put out a podcast. That is a discipline. Um, I, in my membership site, Every, like every few days, I want to put out two to three posts in the membership site so that people know that I'm still reaching out and connecting. That's a discipline. Um, When I'm posting new online courses that people can, you know, if you're in the membership, like if you're a member, you can just take all of them. But maybe you don't want to do that and you just want to just focus on one of them and then be done with it. Well, that means I have to be disciplined and pumping out those courses so that the content is constantly revising and adding and improving upon the content. It also means writing. So I'm writing this book. I have to make it a discipline. I've got to write. Like I'm going to the shut up and write meetups. I don't always write beautiful things, but I'm always writing. Which, by the way, this brings me back to Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, which I know you guys are probably sick of hearing about. I'm one of those people that just adores her. So in Big Magic, she talks about her own writing as a discipline. You know, some days she says, I show up at that desk and, I, and magic happens. And some days it's awful. It's like pulling teeth. But damn it, I showed up today. <laughs> That's a discipline of mine. I show up. I do the thing. And it might not always be beautiful, but damn it, it will always get done. And so now I want you to take that. That's me. I'm just giving my some trying to do some tangible examples. What is your vision for the thing you would like to see happen? What is that person doing if that vision were to come to life that you aren't? Do those things today. Don't operate in the world like someday when I'm that person. That's the same thing as like Oh, well, someday when I'm thin, I'll meet the love of my life. It's like, what? Wait, do you want to be thin or do you want to meet your person? Like, I don't understand what's going on. So if I really tease this out from folks, when as an example, they say, I really want to lose weight. One of the things I ask is, okay, so let's say you've lost the weight. What are you doing differently in that body that you're not doing in this one? And they often will say, well, I, I, I love being out in nature. I would be doing more hikes. It's like, bam, cool. There's your discipline. Don't focus on the weight. Focus on the behaviors that will get you to that weight because the weight doesn't actually matter. It's the things that you want to bring to life in your own life. So what is it that you can make a discipline out of? What is it you'd be willing to get out of bed at 5.30 in the morning for? What is it that's worth doing even if you're a blunder and even if you don't make it to that vision of yourself? So that brings me to the next point. So what is your vision? Okay, great. Have it. Now let it go. Put it aside. Don't be thinking. I mean, you can think about it if visualizing really helps you. That's lovely. There's some research that suggests that can be helpful. But don't fall into the when trap. I'll be happy when. That's a terrible idea. It'll just, because the goalposts will just always be getting moved. You've got to be willing. And that's why I say it's a lot of mental gymnastics. You've got to be willing to have your vision of the thing you want. And then put it aside and not think about it. Or when you do think about it, only use it as a tool of like visualizing what you could be doing to help inspire your actions for today. Do things every single day. Don't think of the don't do the I'll be happy when do the have a discipline of behaviors that are in alignment with that person you're trying to become. And finally, let go of the outcome. Just let it all go. Don't even like be willing to do this work. Watch what happens along the way. So absolutely, if you're trying to lose weight, I'm not saying oh well, just don't track your weight at all. But what I am saying is, okay, exercise, eat better. Sure, track your weight. Watch what happens to yourself along the way. If you're trying to build a business, you know, go out there, do networking events. Track how your what money is coming in and what com- money's going out. Track the number of viewers that are coming onto the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Watch how your actions are influencing what takes place. But detach from them. Don't link your self-worth with them. Be willing to say, I'm going to do this and I don't care what happens. It has to be so valuable to you that if no one goes on your version of a podcast or no one shows up to your t-shirt shop or no one cares about what happens to your weight, even the scale, even if the scale doesn't move, you say, you know what? I still love being out in nature and I still love hiking and I've decided that it's enough that... I don't hurt anymore when I go up five mile walks and go up hills or whatever. So I do hope that this is a helpful exercise for you. And then I'm not blubbering and being confusing in any way. If I am, as always, I do want to make sure, you know, you are welcome and not just welcome, encouraged. Please send me an email, Leah at the Or if you have feedback for me and you feel like there's maybe a way I could be explaining this stuff better. Once again, uh, just I really love to hear from y'all. So. And if you're interested in becoming a member or if you just want to read more of my blogs or you just want to take a look at what I'm doing or want to keep updated on the book that I'm writing, uh, just go to www.thehealthysensitive.com. So that should give you all, access to all the stuff. Um, it also gives you access to the login page for coaching. So there's the hotspot, the hub, the central location. Um, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I'm just really excited to hear what your thoughts are. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So take good care. Talk to you next week. Bye.